Hello, Texans, and welcome. Mark Vandermeer with you, soon to be joined by John Harris as we catch up with players past and present tonight. Once again, it's a summer specials week. Current and former Texans, Texans legends, community members, and one tonight very special. Last segment of the program, part of the Where Are They Now podcast series with Drew Doherty. It is Marcus Coleman, an original Houston Texan, and a guy who made one of the best plays in franchise history. I think there are different categories here. There are biggest plays and there are best plays. Sometimes they're the same. Sometimes the best plays don't show up as the biggest because, well, the season might not have been that great or it turned out to be even at a loss, but it was a great play. Uh, This was part of a win, though, so we'll get into that about Marcus Coleman a little bit later. You seasoned Texans veterans know which play I'm talking about. Before we get to who we're going to have on from the current roster, if you tuned in expecting to hear about hearings and legal issues, that doesn't happen here on this show. Not tonight, anyway. This is players past and present. And as far as the present guys go, you'll hear from Malik Collins. Also, Jalen Petrie, second-round draft pick out of Baylor. Terrible John McClain impression, by the way. But he's been doing well. Houstonian, Texan, Lovey Smith loves that. And I think he also loves the way he's been participating so far in OTAs and minicamp. But let's start here. Jonathan Grenard, 2020 draft choice out of the University of Florida. Eight sacks last year. Did not get to play in every game. He's coming back offseason on schedule. And John Harris and I visited with him about how it was all unfolding for him heading into the break and heading into training camp. Offseason's good. Um, I'm just pretty much just, you know, getting myself in shape, you know, trimming up, trying to get at a better playing weight, what, what I feel comfortable with, obviously just, you know, uh, missing a little bit of camp, just trying to get, get, I mean, get my feet going and just making sure that I get my hips and everything, that the hands and the eye coordination and the steps, you know, just the rhythm and everything is going down. So it's been pretty good out there. As far as, and you, and you know I've talked about this a lot, and, mm-hmm. and you know I love talking about pass rush and right. that kind of thing, because it always feels like there's something you can add to your repertoire, but right. you don't want to get crazy with it. I mean, you don't want to be like, hey, check this out. This is a new move I learned. You want to master all those different right. things. Right. But have you been trying to add more to your repertoire or shine and kind of polish what you already do and do it even better? Right. I mean, it's an innovative game. I mean, it's, you're always trying to find something new to beat the, your opponent with. However, you don't want to reinvent the wheel. Um, I, my thing is I was just, you know, if I have something I'm good at, I know myself, I'm comfortable with myself knowing what my attributes allow me to do. Um, and if some things allow me to do it against a different opponent that, you know, with, it's within the def- defense, within my frame or within my capacity to – um, perform and excel at, then I'll do it. But until then, I'm just going to keep mastering the stuff that I know or, you know, because they're always going to think the same way. How do you stop yeah. the person's best move? So um, I'm always thinking. So I think that's no perfect answer um, to pass rush. There's no perfect move, you know, I guess. So it just has to happen. You just you, you keep going on the fly. More art or science, pass rushing? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. However, however, um, art is definitely, I would say that it takes most of it because science at the end of the day, you like I just mentioned, you know, I only know I'm not going to be jumping. 40, 50 inches yeah, off the yeah. ground. I'm not going to be running a 4-3. You know, that part, I can't defy that. However, I know within my frame, I can make things work within my for myself um, with somebody like me or anybody else that, that takes that same mindset. So I'll say it's a combination of both, but the art is definitely um, takes the cake for sure. Jonathan, when we evaluate guys who do what you do, right. do we make too big a deal out of sacks, meaning people from the outside looking in? We look at sack totals. There's so much more to it than that. You had eight last year. How do you look at that? Yeah, it's a combination of everything, honestly, and that's a good question because um, sacks come in all ways. I mean, you know, there's no perfect way of a sack. However, um, when we all are trying to get to that next contract or, you know, whatever we're trying to do, (laughs) 
that's what ma- that's what matters most. I mean, they want they want to when we need to finish the game. They're not talking about oh, you didn't finish the game with the pressure. You need to finish the game with a sack. And I think ultimately that's when it matters the most. However, but what if a pressure leads to a pick? I and, mean, don't you get some credit court, for that? Now, if it, now if that happens, that is perfect. That honest to me, that that counts as a sack. You know, and okay. that honestly counts as a um, honestly not necessarily a sack, but just it's counts better. as something towards counts more. Yeah, right. It's much more because you've done something that you know major teammate do something better for himself and then now for the team and we're mm-hmm. all winning. So if we're all winning, I'm good with it. I don't care what I did. If I even flinched at a quarterback and he threw a pick to it, I'm good with it because my guys was ready to do, you know, step in that position and I was doing the same. So, um, like you said, it definitely matters uh, at, at times. But, you know, if you got a guy who's getting a lot of pressure, now that's something that you have to watch out for too because eventually they are going to turn into sacks and you have to account for them. So um, I think they definitely mean a lot at the end of the day. But that number does. <laughs> it, it definitely does. <laughs> all right, I want you to think back to your rookie year. Yeah. And think till now. Sure. What's the biggest difference in you as a rookie and you now? Yeah, it just slowed down. Um, and I, and it's crazy because I just think about it every day I wake up or if I'm watching film or, you know, just watching younger guys come in because that's what I like to see too, just seeing younger guys come in and go through that same process to understand that, you know, everybody's going to go through this. Nobody just has all the answers. Um, but my, my maturity level and, and just, you know, just relaxing, letting things come to me kind of helped me a lot, a lot in this game. And in life, honestly. So um, just slowing it down and, uh, and, and taking on the fly and taking everything with a grain of salt it definitely just makes everything um, much more better at the end. Well, let's talk about life. What's it been like to be a professional athlete in Houston, the COVID year, right. the coming out of the COVID <laughs> year, and then finally now we're hopefully we're pretty much done with it. But what is that all like for you, Jonathan, off the field? Right. Um, it was different. Huge adjustment, obviously, coming during the middle of COVID year. 2020 is one of them. Historic years, obviously, when COVID first really just had this massive strike to the world, I guess. Um, and it changed everything. So my myself, and I always laugh, and I talk about it now looking at the rookies, um, because they had to, they're doing the entire, you know, OTA period where they're here early. They're doing things on the weekend. We didn't have that. We had Zoom meetings, as we all know. And, yeah. you know, I was fortunate to be able to still stay in my house and still sleep in my bed and not have to worry about curfew. These things, obviously, we didn't need one then. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just different. And I think everything from that point on just builds us into who we are now. Um, and everybody's journey is different. So, you know, my COVID year made me who I am now. And these kids now, these years are going to make them better, you know. So mm-hmm. um, I just think everything, uh, it, it was happened for a reason. It, it helped us out. And um, at the same time, it, ball is ball. We still had to do a job at the end of the day, so we had to find a way. Lovey Smith takes over as head coach. He was defense coordinator last year, which everyone knows. Now right. he's head coach. Right. When you heard he was taking over as a head coach, what did that mean to you as a defensive player, right. but then also as a member of the Texans? Right. I mean, it, I was I was excited. I mean, as anybody would know, um, just you would love to have your defensive coordinator. Obviously, you had success with and you know, understanding um, what he's about now being your leader as a head coach. Um, it, it was everything. But at the same time, just know that doesn't let anything off. It doesn't give me a pass or anybody else on the defensive pass or anything. We pretty much now know. Um, there's a standard that was set with him the first year, and then now that he's running everything, the whole standard is you know for everybody. It's not just on one side, even though that we always try to attain the highest. Um, but I just think with him and his professionalism, his um, his 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 maturity, I guess, and his everything he's done for the game and and, and the man that he is helps us out and gives us insight to how to be a better man and a better football player. What do you make of this year's rookies when you look at the crop as a whole? Yeah, they they got a they got some they got some talent on this team. Now I give them that. Uh, the youngest, they definitely, um, you know, because I, I watched some of them, pretty much a lot of them, obviously, um, and played against a couple of them, too, just me um, being in school. And I know what they're about. I mean, you just see them walk around the facility. I mean, there's not one cocky guy coming in. I mean, everybody's pretty much on the level, humble humble field, and understanding they just want to grind and get to be the best that they can be for this program and in, in themselves as well. So, um, Nick and, and uh, Lovey, everybody from 
Kyle, everybody coming down. It's just been uh, a great thing for the draft process. And, and uh, those guys, it just shows that they put the right guys in for us because they mess so well with us. So it's cool. I'm excited for them. Three guys come in, Rasheem Green, sure. Mario Addison, and Jerry Hughes. I want to focus on Jerry and Mario yeah. for a little bit. Um, <laughs> Sack guys. <laughs> but they're also – I want to make sure I say this nicely. Yeah. They're also old guys. Yeah. They've been around. They've been around. Nice. They're, see, they're, they're seasoned. Nice. They've been around the block. Right. I've seen you talking to them a few times during during OTAs because you haven't been able to do a lot as you right. continue to get back from your foot. What have those guys meant to you? Yeah, I mean, and the thing is about these guys, and I just go back to what I just said, is just the guys that they're surrounding this team with from top to bottom. The vets that you have at each position, you know, um, those guys like Jerry and Rio, I mean, they're – They've done it multiple times at the yeah. highest level, and they're good people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, Rio, he's a, he's one of my fraternity brothers as well, so that was an yeah. instant connection. Um, Jerry's just a local guy already around from the city of Houston, obviously. Um, and just and you would never know that they've been in this league for so long. They don't come in with this, oh, arrogant, you know, attitude. You know, I'm better than I've done this and that. No, they, they all want us to be on the same page to where they at. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's just the point so of understanding, you know, what it takes and watching these guys and modeling yourself from – preparation from what they eat, you know, how they are on the weekends, you know, just things that how they just take care of, you know, Jay's a good family guy. Rio's a guy who just leads by example and always going to be vocal out there. So these are both guys who, you know, um, who wouldn't want a better, you know, role model as far as to lead the group and then those guys. So I'm happy to got them. There's our visit with Jonathan Grenard from a few weeks ago. Now, continuing with players past and present, Continuing with the present, Jalen Petrie, second-round draft choice and looking good so far in OTAs and minicamp. And it was a thrill to visit with this guy. You can tell this guy has his head squarely on his shoulders. The future is bright for Jalen Petrie, who's doing well so far throughout this offseason. You know, I'm learning a lot from the coaches and even the players, you know, that that are, are veterans. You know, they're teaching me so much, and, you know, I'm excited to be here. All right, you say first time. I say second time. You saw him at the Senior Bowl. At the Senior Bowl, in which yeah, media day at the Senior Bowl is kind of strange because they have you guys in this like fenced-off area, and then you got to like call over to somebody, call over to somebody, and then they'll get your attention. And I was like, I got to talk to Jalen. He's a local guy at a minimum. So I'm talking to all local guys. So I'm talking to Zion McCollum. I'm talking to Leon O'Neal. I'm talking to all the local guys. And I'm like, I got to get Petrie. If I got, I got to complete. I got to complete the local guy set. And at the end, I asked you. What about hearing that phone call on draft night? What if it comes from the 281 area code and you're like, man, I would love it. Has it been thus far everything you kind of imagined it to be, getting the phone call, I'm coming to Houston, hey, I'm five minutes down the road. Has it kind of lived up to everything at this point, Jalen? Definitely. You know, it's just a real experience so far. You know, like you said, I, when you asked me at the Senior Bowl, I never even thought or imagined that I would be able to play, you know, in my backyard. So it's been wonderful so far, and I, I'm loving it. What's it been like the first week you were out there practicing with the veterans until the latest week where you're getting it more and more? How has that process been for you, Jalen? I know we're at the very beginning of it, but what's it been like for you? It's been wonderful. You know, early on it was a bit harder because, you know, you're learning something new and you're you're in a different environment. But I would give a lot of credit to my, you know, coaches for just continue to, you know, push me and, you know, demand the best out of me. I feel like that's what's helped me make, you know, some big jumps uh, early on. And, you know, I can I look to continue to, you know, make jumps in the future. How do you feel your comfort level being out there from day one being out there, rookie minicamp, to, hey, I'm out there with the vets, to going into veteran minicamp this, this week? How do you feel? You feeling comfortable each and every day? How's it been for you that way? I would say I feel very confident. You know, I'm taking my job really serious. You know, I'm studying each and every night, making sure that I know every call 
that is on the playbook and being able to, you know, speak to my teammates in the correct language. I think when you're able to do that, mm -hmm. then you're able to play a lot faster and see the things that you need to see. So, you know, it's been wonderful, like I said, and I'm enjoying it. Who are some of the guys who have been helpful to you as mentors so far? I know, again, it's early. Uh, definitely, I would say Graylin Arnold. You know, a, a, a Baylor yeah, bear. bear that, you know, I played with in college. You know, yeah. he's helped me, you know, understand it. Jonathan Owens, mm -hmm. Terrence Brooks, um, Eric Murray. The whole safety room has been very welcoming, and, and especially, you know, Coach Dana. You know, he's been very hard on me, and I appreciate, you know, the level of focus that he has each and every practice and meetings. You say safety, but for people that see you play, because people would ask me what positions Jalen Petrie play, I kind of shrug, like, I don't know, he plays a lot of them. He does a lot of different things. You do a lot of different things. You're more than just a safety. You come down a cover. You'll play over the top. You'll play on the roof. Where do you feel most comfortable when you're out on the field? I feel most comfortable wherever Coach Lovey feels most comfortable. You know, I, I, I look forward to, you know, being a guy that can, you know, produce wherever he wants me to be on the field. And, you know, I take pride in that, knowing everything and making sure that I'm very productive wherever he puts me. So, you know, I trust him with that decision. All right, Baylor. Why is Baylor so good? And I mean that in the nicest way, right? What has been the difference to keep Baylor? And I know there have been some dips and coaches leaving, but always bouncing back up. Meanwhile, you have a school in Austin that can't do it. Never mind. You don't have to address Ooh, that specifically. But what is it about Baylor, Jalen, that makes it so special? I would say the grit. You know, we understand that um, our coaches understand, whether that was with Coach Rule or Coach Aranda, what it takes to win. And, you know, they're they're good at communicating that with their players. So, you know, once we understand that, we're, we're about the work. You know, mm -hmm. we put in the work day in and day out. And we're trying to, you know, do the tough things. We're trying to, you know, take the hard jobs. And I think when you have a team full of guys that want to do that, you're eventually going to win. And I think that's how, you know, you've seen the dips from time to time because we were, you know, starting to understand things and figure it out. But when we understood it, you know, it, it was it was it was all good from there. I think Coach Aranda unlocked the number eight box, too. I think once he figured that out, how to use number eight, uh, I think that made the Baylor defense uh, that much more uh, interesting. Talking about Baylor, Jalen, being a part of a championship program, winning the Big 12, and winning it in the way that you did uh, with defense at the end, with the goal line stand, what did that mean to the Baylor community to win a Big 12 title? And then for you being a big part of that, being a guy that's – that stayed around to be part of that program, what did it mean to you to win that championship? It meant the world to me. You know, it showed me that the process really works. You know, when I won the Big 12 championship, it was a great feeling, but um, it didn't last very long. And that showed me that the real joy that I get out of playing football is the day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, process with my teammates and the things that we go through in the workouts, the film study, and in the practices. So, you know, it made me fall in love even more with the process. So, you know, I'm looking to, you know, do the same thing here and, you know, continue to get better on a daily basis. How will you spend the time between mini camp and training camp? This is a big moment for everybody, but, you know, you as a rookie, the rest of the rookies hitting the ground running for training camp. I'm going to be working out here at the Texas facility and also in the film room, finding new ways, you know, elevate my game and get better. You know, I'm always looking to, you know, improve and kind of be different in a way. When did you know it was the Texans? When you got the phone call, did you have any heads up at all that, hey, keep an eye on the Texans on draft night, it could happen? When did you know? It was definitely the phone call, and I was actually surprised by the phone call because really? it was an 832 number. Yeah. 
and I really wasn't even thinking about it at the time. I'm like, somebody, one of my family members is calling me. Yeah. I need to hurry up and tell them that I'm waiting sure. on the call right now. But when I answered it, you know, they told me that they wanted to take me and, you know, it was it was it was a crazy crazy moment. I'm very thankful for that. So not to get too personal here, but will you live at home, get an apartment? I mean, how are you going to handle your personal situation? Yes, sir. I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, it's fairly new, but um, yeah, that that's that's up for question. Stay right at there. home, save some bucks. Yes, sir. <laughs> Do whatever's right. Thanks, Jalen. Appreciate it. Thank y'all. Always ask me about how Petrie's looking, how the other draft choices are looking, how's Mills looking in year two, and. I just have to say this, based on what I saw in OTAs and minicamps, so far, so good. Training camp's another step. Preseason games are another step. And then the most important thing, the game's for real. So everything's trending in the right direction overall. And that's the thing I can say right now. That's the best thing I can say, because if it wasn't, that might be a bit of a problem. Anyway, Malik Collins is a bit of a problem for opposing backfields, running backs, whoever's trying to get yards. Let's visit with the big fella on the D-line next here on Texans Radio. Continuing with our summer specials week, players past and present. Before we get to our next guest, a reminder that Marcus Coleman is coming up in the next segment, and you're going to want to hear from him. And a reminder, this is a legal talk and suspension talk-free zone for this week. Anyway, Malik Collins plays on that D-line. Johnny Harris and I visited with him at minicamp, and we were thrilled to see him back after re-signing this offseason. Yeah, well, actually, I never left. Um, (laughs) I was planning on coming back here the whole time. It just had to be some business, had to be handled first, and then um, I'm I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to continue to build what what we started building last year. Malik is... Sorry to interrupt. Is that one of the things that, as a young player, maybe you don't know as much? I mean, you, you get here, you get to the NFL out of Nebraska, you're just playing ball, but the business of football gets sure. involved. I mean, how does that? I mean, how does that? As you learn that, like, oh, okay, man, it's a business. Yeah, uh, I sure. get that, but like you said, there was some business that had to be done. But how glad were you to get that in the rear view and get ready for 2022? I'm, I'm super excited to have that in the rear view now. Um, you know, you everybody come in different contract years, and they be like. You know, uh, I don't, I don't want to focus on that. I'm gonna just focus on playing ball. But it's, it's kind of hard because you don't. Yeah. At the end of the day, you don't really know where you're gonna be the following year. Yeah. Um, it's something for me that I just focus on, on playing ball. It was my, this is my third time actually hitting the market. I've signed all these short deals. Yeah. And um, I mean, even this deal is kind of short, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's always, uh, it's always a blessing to have uh, a two-year contract. All right, Malik Collins with us, playing for Lovey Smith as the defensive coordinator versus playing for Lovey Smith as the head coach. Is there any difference so far? I know you have a new position coach in Jacques Cesaire. Yeah. Jacques is great. Um, this, our assistant D-line coach, Kenyon, he's great. Lovey's great. You know, it's just um, – it's it's different when you play for a coach to really value um, what you do as a front. Yeah. You know, he values um, the defensive front so much and understands what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to disrupt. Speaking on me, um, specifically being a three technique, what that means to this defense, um, the demand of what I what I have to do, you know. So, um, Lovey understands that, Jock understands that, and uh, that's something that I that I value. Somebody that understands the value of that position. I think Lovey called you the engine of the defense, and we thought about it. That, you know, that's probably pretty good because as a three technique, you're always motoring, you're always going upfield, you're always moving. But yeah, you got to play with strength and hold the point too. At some point, when you hear something like that, Lovey saying you're the engine of the defense, what's that mean to you? Um, it means I got to come in in shape so I can go. <laughs> you know? uh, 
I gotta I gotta be the same guy every day. I gotta be consistent. Yeah. Um, if something's off, I gotta be the one that gets it back on track. That's just that's just the standards I put on myself. Yeah. Just knowing that you know the people that done played this position, the Warren Saps, the John Randalls, the yeah. um, Tommy Harris, Henry Melton, you mm-hmm. know, um, yeah, those type of guys. All right, so what is it like in minicamp OTAs versus training camp for you? What are you getting out of the off-season practices versus once you get the pads on and it gets really physical? Yeah. How do you benefit from that, from the choreography of this time of year? Well, I think I think uh, mainly you benefit from being in, being able to be in the weight room on a full schedule with uh, mm-hmm. Mike, and, Mike and the guys. You know, you get a lot of injury prevention stuff, you know, going through all that type of stuff is being in the off-season. And then when you get to the when you get to the season, it's like clockwork. You know, everything everything is just uh, working together. Continuing with our mini camp visit with Malik Collins on Texans Radio. After a seventeen game season, can you put into words how your body feels? Uh, I think I feel good right now. Yeah. Um, usually in the off season, I get heavy and have to cut a bunch of weight towards yeah. the end or something like yeah. that. But this year, I kind of stayed around middle ground or where I want to be. Yeah. And um, just pretty much, yeah. So something happened at the end of the season. I want to ask you about, if you don't mind. You had done your last press availability out here after the Titans game, and I was standing outside in the hallway right over here, and I was waiting for, I think Kirko was coming over to do an interview. And you're walking back in the locker room, and Davis was walking out. You were going back in. I saw you stop him. You shook hands, and you talked to him. And I could just tell by the body language. I didn't know what you'd said to him, but I could tell by the body language that you were encouraging or telling him, hey, look, you know, we got you, you know, and he was kind of nodding. It felt like he had to gain the trust and the respect of you defensive veterans and just the veterans on the team as a whole. A, you know, tell me exactly what you said to him, but what were you trying to get across to Davis at that moment, a rookie just finishing his first year, you a vet that's been around and seen some things? I just told him I was proud of him, proud of his growth. You know, you. I mean, it's you a fool not to see the growth that he had from yep. when he first stepped on the field to following up the last game mm-hmm. and just throughout the season, the different things that that came his way. Yeah. And how he just he stayed the course and he stayed being the same guy. He actually grew from it. So I just told him I was proud of him and I'm I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing seeing him develop even more in the future in the yep. near future. Yeah. And um, yeah, pretty much. I want to get back to something you said. You said previously you might have gained weight during the offseason, had to cut weight, and now not so much. So as you get older, as your body changes, how do you change how you take care of yourself physically? Yeah, it, it just for me it started, um, you know, usually in the offseason I'll take like three weeks off and just get right back at it. This offseason I kind of um, – I just started back in the weight room first. Usually I start back and I'm pretty much training right away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I train basically with BT Jordan a lot. And, yeah. uh, I mean, this offseason, I just took it a little bit slower, but I uh, stepped up a little bit on my nutrition part and my PT part, just taking care of um, wear and tear on my body that, that I'd have felt that I don't want to feel again or, or just at least to be able to manage it a little bit better. More from our minicamp visit with Malik Collins in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. You're not old at all. You're a vet. You're seasoned. You've been around. You've seen some things. And then last year, you got to play next to this rook, Roy Lopez. What kind of role for you? Obviously, you got to take care of your role. You got to do what you do, but you got the rook next to you. How'd that relationship grow throughout the year as you're seeing him kind of grow up as a rookie and you're saying, well, well, rook, we don't do it that way, do it this way. What was that and how was that for you, kind of playing that role of, hey, I've been around, I've seen some things, I can help you. You obviously have to have a rookie that 
wants it, but yeah. how important was that for for him to have you next to him? You know what's crazy about Roy is that Roy's, you know, he he's so mature for for yeah. you know his age, and I mean not really his age, but just coming into the league last year. Right. Um, I really didn't have to say much. I just kind of had to do what I do, and um, you know, Roy, he if he sees something that he like, he'll pick it up. He yeah. he watches everything. I mean, he listens to everything. So I mean, if he likes it, he'll pick it out and put it to the side for himself. Yeah. If he doesn't, which is probably not at that point, it's just something that he doesn't need. He just put it to the wayside and he won't use it at all. But I mean, I mean, me and Roy, we're close. Yeah, um, I love playing next to him, and uh, I'm looking forward to how he develops too. And I want to play play with him for a long time. Yeah. All right, Malik, we have some hurry up offense off field questions for you. You ready Ooh. to go? Yeah. Okay. Other sport you would be playing professionally if it wasn't football. You have the ability. So what's the other sport? Boxing. Boxing. Oh, I like this a lot. Favorite boxer of all time. My favorite boxer, Ray John. Mm. Oh, very nice. Okay. Other professions. So you're not a football player. You're not a professional athlete. What are you doing? Uh, I don't really want to put a title on it, but I'd be doing something with cars, flipping cars, uh, the building, Mm -hmm. putting bills together. Something like that. Do you do that anyway? Do you? Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's oh, probably, very nice. That's probably post-career Malik right there. Yeah, I like this a Doing lot. Doing it now, too, but I'll probably be full-time with it when I get done. There All you right. Go. Not that you do this much anymore, but cheat food. Okay, what's your favorite food to binge on if you are able to? Oh, yeah. I still cheat. I'm okay. What's the, what's the one that gets you in the most trouble? Burgers. Really? Yeah, I'm a burger guy. Bacon, burgers, no, what? I don't really do too much bacon. I, actually, I don't really do a lot of cheese on my burgers. I just really, like, yeah, I just like just burgers. the actual burger. Yeah. Okay, uh, give me two or three TV shows that you might have binged on recently, or it could just be one, whatever. A couple of them that you really like. All I all I do is pretty binge watch TV shows, and it's probably like once or twice a year I just binge watch and catch up on everything. Last year it was during COVID, right? Yeah, of course, so I just had to sit in the sit at the house and just. So okay. give us one or two that you really liked. Uh, I was pretty much just finishing up uh, all of the Power episode, Power, uh-huh. um, the Ghost Book of Power, and then BMF. Okay. All right. I need to watch Power. Yeah, Power's Power is one we've uh, – yeah, DP's watched it and told us we need to watch it, and we haven't. Okay. A couple of either ors then. Business dress, suit, looks sharp, drips, nice, but are you wearing clean Jordans or are you wearing some leather dress shoes? It depends. It just depends. Um, on the on, event, on the on event, event uh, the field. I think it's a. I think it's a. Uh, you can have both, really. Okay, Roy Lopez gets married. To the wedding, you would wear what? It depends. Am I in the wedding or I'm just a? a no, attendee? you're you're just go, you're going. If I'm just attending, I'm not wearing. Because uh, yeah, if you're in the wedding, then you got to wear what he says. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're there at the. I'm, I'm keeping you from that. Location. Uh, let's go Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not wearing no dress shoes on why. Okay, you're wearing the Jordans. Yeah. Okay. Jordan right. with some dunks or something. Uh, better teammate, Iron Man or Batman? Oh, I'm not into that. You're not into the superheroes. Uh-uh. He's okay. like me. I like that. Favorite Houston food, Tex-Mex or brisket? Because you have eaten while you're here. Right. Yeah. You just got to <laughs> watch how much you eat. Yeah. Right? Tex-Mex or Got to pick one. I know what I would do this one. I know exactly what I would do this one. I'm from one. Kansas City, so, you know, I can't give yeah. Houston barbecue too much love. <laughs> so, know, so I'm going to say Tex-Mex. I was nice. going to say, you could put them together. You give me, like, brisket tacos. You could definitely have that done. Yeah. You could you have give that, that as an option. I, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, build your football team around one of these guys, Giannis or Ja Morant. Red zone monster. Yeah. Yeah, red zone monster. 
I just think I think at this point he's a little bit more um, proven. Yeah, and he, you know, he, you know, he's gonna be healthy. He's strong. Yeah, he is strong. All right, Malik. Thanks for joining us. Good luck to Appreciate you. you. Malik Collins is one of those players that has that gentle giant delivery. Just kind of soft spoken in person. Such a nice guy. Then he gets on the field and raw personality change. It happens to so many of these players, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing when you employ them in the National Football League. Coming up next, Marcus Coleman, an original Texan. Drew Doherty visits with him. I'm going to set it up. He made one of the best plays. I'm not saying it was one of the biggest because of the context, but certainly one of the best plays in the history of the franchise. We'll have it for you next here on Texans Radio. Players week, past and present. Well, we heard from some present-day players already, like Jonathan Grenard, Jalen Petrie, Malik Collins. Well, what about our next guest, who is a player of Texans past, Texans legends, community member, Marcus Coleman. And I mentioned this. He made one of the best plays in Texans history. And I'll qualify best as opposed to greatest or most important. It was important at the time, but it was year three. They went 7-9 and nine that year, which was a step in the right direction after going 4-12 and 12 and 5-11 and 11 to begin franchise history. But week three, Texans start the season 0-2. Losses to San Diego with Drew Brees at the time and Detroit at Detroit. And there they are at Arrowhead Stadium playing Kansas City with Trent Green and Dick Vermeil playing. Green playing and Vermeil coaching, of course. Anyway, the game is not going that well. It's... 14-6, to six, and the Chiefs are threatening. It's about to be 21-6 to six because Green is getting ready to throw a touchdown pass. However, Marcus Coleman would get in the way and make one of the biggest plays at the time in the history of the franchise. Green drops back to pass, throws right side of the end zone, intercepted. Coleman brings it out. 5, 10, 15, 20, left sideline. The 30, the 40, the 50. Coleman's going to score! Marcus Coleman! 10, 5, and dives into the end zone. Coleman has a touchdown for the Texans. What a magical play by Marcus Coleman. Over 100 yards, he returns it for a score. I'll never forget Texans PR director Tony Wiley giving me all sorts of grief for not saying rock and roll on that play. I guess I was in a state of happy shock, if you will, that that happened. And Jonathan Wells, by the way, I see you, Jonathan. Jonathan Wells ran in the two-point conversion. Texans tied the game, actually fall behind 21-14. to And credit the young Texans at the time. David Carr looking good in the fourth quarter, hitting Andre Johnson for a big pass. Derek Armstrong, remember him, for a couple of big plays, including the field goal setup. Chris Brown hit the game winner with seven seconds left. The rest is history. But it wouldn't have happened, I believe, without Marcus Coleman making that play. An original Houston Texan taken in the expansion draft from the New York Jets. He and Aaron Glenn came over from New York, former Bill Parcells pupils. And Marcus factored big in the early years on a Texans defense that finished 16th in year one. I always talk about that D as being better than advertised. The offense really struggled that inaugural season. But Coleman made some big plays like the one we just talked about. And Drew Doherty, as part of his Where Are They Now podcast series, visited with the former Texan Marcus Coleman. First things first, we see the background there. Trinity, Yeah. what's going on? Coaching the secondary at Trinity University. Uh, it's, a division, it's a Division three school here in, in San Antonio. Uh, similar to, uh, we kind of call ourselves the Ivy League or the Stanford of the South, just because of the academic requirements. Athletically, we were, you know, just as good as well. So 
we unfortunately lost in the first round of the playoffs this year. So just, you know, trying to build on next year. And right now, you know how the college grind is. Everybody's recruiting right now. So we just got off the road. Just trying to get it in, man. We're doing good. Yeah. How'd you choose to go to Trinity as far as, as coaching? Because you've done a few different things since you left the NFL after the 06 season, right? Yeah. I was coaching indoor. Actually, my last year in Dallas, the head coach, Jeremy Urban, he and I kind of crossed paths. Coach Urban played about eight or nine years, but it was in the early part of his career. We kind of crossed paths and then uh, just kind of got introduced with Jason Minix and that win for those of you yeah. who you know, are A&M fans. Yes. We just kind of reconnected that way. Dad and I were doing radio on ESPN 12. ESPN is on 1240 down here in San Antonio. We just kind of reconnected that way. And, you know, as I was going through my indoor coaching phase, Coach Irv was working his way to being the head coach. And, and uh, you know, shortly after he got it, he, he brought me on staff. Like I mentioned at the top, you're an original Texan. And a lot of folks that are watching and listening to this, they know a lot about the guys that played in the last few years, but they don't know about the sort of the history of the franchise and how things started. You were almost part of a package deal with Aaron Glenn. You guys have been starters for yeah. the Jets at corner. And right. the Texans plucked you and a lot of other really, really good defensive players and a few other offensive players, but really good defensive players in that first expansion draft. And in 2002... Wins and losses, they don't really come uh, the way you'd like, but that's that's what happens with an expansion team. But you guys still had, right. a, had a hell of a defense, and you were a main part of that. Well, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know what? Actually, Aaron and I ended up playing, what's the close to eight or nine years together. Yeah, <laughs> you know, between the, the Jets and, and Dan and Houston. The way that it started, you know, getting guys like Jamie Sharper, obviously Seth, Gary Walker, guys like that could come in and that have won before, you know, in different places. I think that was you know, what Mr. Castle and Coach Capers were trying to do. They were trying to get guys that had experience, particularly on defense. It's easier to build a defense, you know, start a little faster, kind of wait to the offense to catch up, you know, as they get the rhythm going and, and get some continuity, get some other guys to place to where, you know, they get to the level that you want. So, you know, I thought we obviously held our own, you know, as much as we could. But being young on offense, you know, honestly, I probably would have liked to have seen David, you know, probably wait a year or so behind a vet. But obviously, that's about my pay grade. So <laughs> but, uh, we were trying to do everything, trying to make sure that we played the kind of football that we wanted. And we were kind of old school in, in regards, like Coach Fangio, who was our DC at the time, like Coach Capers, you know, they're old school, run to the ball, tackle, physical kind of coaches. That's the background that they come from. And we just tried to live up to that and try to do that every weekend. I mean, it was fun. But obviously, you don't get the wins, you know, the wins that you want, but it was fun coming in and kind of laying the groundwork for everything, you know, that's happened up until this point. Continuing with Drew Doherty's Where Are They Now podcast with former Texan Marcus Coleman. All right, let's rewind back to your high school days. You went to a place Whoa. in Dallas, <laughs> Lake Highlands. Yeah. And for those that don't know, there have been many, many great football players who went on to the NFL, played at Lake Highlands. Yeah. Texans fans know about Wade Smith. He was in the, in the NFL for about a decade. He was a pro bowler here. You have Phil yeah. Dawson, the kicker, who was a little bit after you. I'm guessing, yeah, right? Feels about a year or two after me. Mm-hmm. You had Merton Hanks, together, yeah. You had Merton Hanks, yeah. who had Merton the rubber Hanks. neck. <laughs> a whole lot of guys. But you were on a team, correct me if I'm wrong, you were with Detron Smith, who made it to the NFL, and Derek mm-hmm. Cullors, a couple of running backs mm-hmm. that ran the wishbone. Were you also a, a running back as well, or did you play both ways? Or How good was this, this Lake Highlands team you are on? Oh, man, it was so good. I actually started it. In the beginning, I played a little bit of wide out or tight end. Mm-hmm. Obviously, only got a couple of catches and then, you know, went over to free safety full time. So I didn't play a lot both ways a lot. And at that point, knowing we were running the wishbone, I didn't want to anyway. So I just played mainly, defense, you know, defensive special teams. But we were good. It ended up 
So my sophomore year, we lost to Huntsville down in Waco. Um, and that team was actually loaded too. Larry Walker, Eddie Robinson, Byr- you know, Byron, a lot of those guys. And then with Detron, myself, Gary, we lost to actually ended up playing Carter in the Cotton Bowl. Wow. Yeah. Huge game. Yeah. So it was about 36, 37,000, you know, even back then. Yeah. It's oh crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we ended up losing to Carter that year. And then the next year we faced Carter again in the first round and they barely beat us in my senior year. So those teams were good, man. We had some, some guys that there were some really good athletes that came out of Lake Collins and had, and had for a long time. I mean, you can go back as far as Alfredo Griffith, tight end, mm-hmm. came out of Lake Collins, Hall of Famer. I mean, I know that was a while back, but there've been a lot of guys that made it to the NFL that have come out of Lake Collins. And I think at one point, I want to say it was while I was playing, obviously, um, we had more guys in the NFL from Lake Highlands High School than anybody at one point. Wow. Um, I want to say it was like midway through my career. There were a bunch of us just kind of floating around, mm-hmm. you know, at a lot of different teams, you know, during, during that time. So, Did you play for Zafudo or was he after you? Yeah, Cozy. Yeah, no, Cozy was my coach. Yep. Okay. Cozy. Yeah, he, he was a pretty famous guy up there in the Dallas area. I know a little bit about this because I went to SMU and I graduated from right. SMU in 2000s, but I started there in 96. My roommate was from Lake Highlands, and the guy that lived across the two guys that lived across the hall were two of his buddies from Lake Highlands. So I heard all about Lake Highlands football and and all that. And okay. They had a pretty good they had a pretty good team like when we were in college. But yeah, I yeah. saw that and I was like, holy cow! Three guys from one team in the NFL. Yeah. And I knew you guys ran yeah, that wishbone. So that was yeah. that. And then you go on to Texas Tech, where again, I mean, you're on one of the best Texas Tech teams to that point. You guys made the Cotton Bowl, and you hadn't been to the Cotton Bowl. Uh, I think it's what like the 40s or 50s, maybe or it, yeah, you know, it was it was. Yeah, it was a while. You're on there it with Zach Thomas and, uh, mm-hmm. and, a, and a lot of other guys. What was that like playing out in West Texas after what you did in, in high school and you know being around the talent that was out there at that time? It was fun because, you know, it was – and it's weird. It was one of those things where it was kind of a rebuild. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, you know, out in luck, you know, with Coach Dykes. And they made a hard push at a lot of the guys, in da- you know, in Dallas, to be honest with you. So outside of myself, I know from Carter, there were about – five or six guys alone, you know, that they kind of came over, you know, in my freshman class. And then uh, you get Zach out of Pampa, Jerome Woods who came out of, uh, not Jerome Woods, but Jerome who came out of uh, Prosperton. So he just, you know, kind of scattered around. We had a couple of guys from California, you know, kind of come in. And, I mean, it really was a rebuild. And to have an opportunity to build it up to get to the Cotton Bowl, even though at some spots we were outmatched that USC team that year, I think everybody on the two deep went in the first and second round that year. It was yeah. it was unbelievable, you know. That was the Keyshawn, Brad Johnson, you know, all that, you know, all those guys. Tony Baselli, so, uh, yeah. yeah, Curtis Conway, like yeah, that that whole crew. So uh, yeah, was Willie McGinnis on that team too? Willie Willie McGinnis was Golly. on that team. Yeah. <laughs> so, Holy so yeah, that's so what I think. That, I think the first, at least the first, I know the the first two D those dudes had them going second or third round. Everybody, yeah. that's how loaded they were. Yeah, they were good though. So yeah, we came out fast and you know and ended up losing you know by a lot. But having an opportunity to play and get back was a step forward for us, just because again you kind of setting you know setting the trend or building the path for you know the guys below us. And we were getting some group recruits in '96. The first year in the Big Twelve didn't go as planned, you know, for Coach Dykes, but he was retiring at that point. Then you get Leach and he rolls in and you know gets it rolling. So you know that's you know kind of what it was about, you know. But it was exciting though. Continuing with Drew Doherty's Where Are They Now podcast with former Texan Marcus Coleman. You ever cross paths with Mike Leach? I know he was after your playing days, but. Yeah. No, no. Coach Leach and I have seen each other on and off over the years and and have talked to each other. I like Coach Leach. Yeah. Funny guy. Definitely understands the game himself. Since humor is a little different, 
you know, which is fine. But you know, but I like him a lot. You know, he's he's a really good coach. He's done a lot of good things, and and uh, you know, he's doing well now. So. I like the way you say a little different because he's a, he's a Martian. You know, I, I worked out in Lubbock for about four years and I hosted his coaches. He's, he's a Martian. And I, I would tell him that to his face and he'd put, uh, yeah, yeah, you'd probably, that's kind of hard to quantify about Martians and everything. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he also had a, he has a, people don't realize this. I don't think, but he has a pretty good sense of history. And so like, yes, if you bring up your Very name, so. uh, Marcus Coleman, really great player, played, played great history here at Texas tech. One of the great play, you know, he would, he would rattle off your stats. He, he knew about the guys that had come before, you know, whether mm-hmm. it was a guy like you or Zach Thomas or all the way back to, you know, guys like EJ Holub and whatnot. But yeah, anyway, that's no, he, he does. He, that he does, but he's, he, he does that. I don't think he does that on purpose. I think he just likes to know that, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of things, you know, he likes to retain that kind of information. That's mm-hmm. just kind of who he is. So. Got a curious mind for sure. Yep. yep. So you leave Texas tech, you go into the NFL and you go to the jets tough first year, but then Bill Parcells comes to town and Bill Parcells, yeah. if you follow his history, he comes in and he turns things around. What was that like playing for Bill Park? What was your first Bill Parcells moment? Cause I don't think I've ever met anybody that played for him that can't recall mm-hmm. what happened the first time they met him. What was that like? Ooh, well, after, leave it in. Well, I guess after Rich Cotite left and Bill comes in, shoot, there's so many I got. I'm, I'm trying to pick a new one. <laughs> More with Drew Doherty and original Texan Marcus Coleman. Well, give me the yeah, first yeah. one. You don't, don't have yeah. to be the best one. Give uh, me just like the – what do you first remember seeing him like, or, or interacting with him? What was that like? It was – and I'll be honest with you, I was a little – not a, it wasn't – fear it was more of kind of like the old you know what look who's in town kind of dude sure and, uh, so you know introducing yourself to him and, and talking to him you know he and he's kind of like he he already knows everything about everybody you know before he walks into the building you know which is crazy considering he didn't have a lot of time to do that um you know i do remember you know and this is kind of the famous one that a lot of people do know that we were in training camp and i missed the call or something whatever it is and he started calling me the wizard, you know, so, uh, you know, meaning, you know, I wasn't very smart, you know, during that particular time. So I didn't get offended by it. Obviously, you know, I'm from the old school and that's kind of how our coaching was. He was really, really hard on us. Like he was mentally and physically, especially in the beginning when he first got there. Training camp was about eight weeks long. Mm. It was a couple of weeks like it is now. Uh, you know, we were in, we, we were pretty much in full pass every day. You know, we'd start training camp off on certain days. But even kind of practice just live goal, you know, live goal line period, you know, to start practice off. But he was one of those guys where he knew how to put things together. And that's, you know, everybody always makes fun of the, or, or talks about him, you know, going to the grocery store, being able to pick the groceries, you know, right. kind of deal with him. And they come in here in Dallas. Well, yeah, because he's really cooking his dish. So when he, you know, when he's put, putting players in certain positions, when you see the revolving door as you're coming to the facility of guys that are just coming in and coming out, you know, that's him, you know, kind of, you know, making his dish, adding salt, adding pepper, or, you know, taking a little water out, adding a little water. But he was he was really good at doing that. That's Marcus Coleman with Drew Doherty, part of the Where Are They Now podcast series, which is available on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. They're really good. And there's a lot more to that one. Great stories from Marcus, who's now coaching. 
We're going to have Jay Foreman on tomorrow. That's going to be fun. Hey, join us for another episode of the Summer Specials Players Past and Present for your Texans right here on Texans All Access, including but not limited to Marlon Mack. He'll be on tomorrow. Also, what veteran shall we pick? Maybe Jay Foreman, who was a tackling machine in the early days, along with Jamie Sharper. We'll do it all here. Have a great night, and go Texans!